When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome back to Holding Space Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Cassidy. Today is a special episode because I am sharing with you my birth stories. And so my children are eight and five, and so their births happened quite a while ago. Um, But I really wanted to get a chance to share these two stories and how different these experiences were in hopes that what I learned from my births can be supportive to any of you out there who are finding yourself right now preparing for birth. So I got pregnant with my daughter when I was in the second year of my master's program to become a marriage and family therapist. And I knew exactly what I wanted that birth to look like. Now, if you've given birth before and you hear me say that I knew exactly what it needed to and I wanted it to look like, you may already have a sense of where this is about to go. So I had a lot of rigidity around the ideas that I had of what a quote-unquote good birth would look like. And I created a birth plan that reflected those rigid ideas. And here's the thing is that I think that it's wonderful to, to be able to identify what it is that you'd like to be able to advocate for and to have support people around you who can support you in advocating for the kind of birth that you're hoping for, the kind of birth that aligns with you and your family's values. At the same time, I had done that though with a lot of rigidity around it. And when I look back on myself at that time, planning for that birth and writing out my birth plan with exactly how it was supposed to and needed to go, um, and, you know, handing it to my OBGYN to have them scan it into my medical records, you know, in black or white, here's what's going to happen. I have so much compassion now when I think about myself at that time. Because when I think about it and when I look at her, me, at that time, I'm able to identify that really underlying all of that need for control and the you know, desire to have a quote-unquote good birth was me wanting to be a good mom, wanting this sort of what felt like the first you know, chapter in my parenting journey to reflect that I was a good mom. And I also really just wanted to have some control in a situation where there are a lot of elements that are not in our control, pregnancy, birth, and postpartum. So there was a lot of fear. And I think that what what kind of sort of got you know, took the wheel around that fear was sort of this perfectionism and this desire to have the quote unquote perfect birth. 
um, based on what I had what I was believing would reflect a good birth. And for me at the time, it was not wanting my birth to be medicated, um, not wanting to have a lot of intervention, wanting to not have a cesarean for sure. And so what it resulted in was I ended up actually hiring um, a birth support person for us. It was a doula that also reflected those rigid ideas. What I mean is that we hired somebody who was, you know, uh, really advocated that she had these numbers of like, I've, you know, she had never at that point um, supported a birth that resulted in a C-section or belly birth, um, which is what I call it now. And, you know, so we hired her and, you know, I think that, I think that if I was to do it again, um, I think there were a lot of red flags about this particular support person. But again, I was afraid. I wanted this quote-unquote perfect birth, and she was marketing and sharing with us that that was something that she would offer because she also um, had some pretty uh, rigid ideas around what a good birth would look like. So we did some birth prep with her. Um, we also took birth classes and I did as much research as I possibly could uh, because that's what I do when I'm feeling anxious about something. I research. It gives me a sense of control when there are, as I've said, so many elements that can feel out of our control. And unfortunately, what ended up happening in the process of planning for that first birth for me is that I disconnected from my body. And birth is very much an intense body, embodied bodily experience. And I didn't really want to face some of the underlying fears that I had. I think that perfectionism and rigidity were kind of protecting me from some of those fears, but unfortunately, what it also did was it kept me disconnected from tuning in to what my intuition and my heart and my body were telling me and then were going to be telling me during my actual birth experience. And I said before that I think back to myself during that time, and I, I really do feel a lot of compassion for myself during that period, because when I look back to myself during that pregnancy in preparation for the birth, when I look back now, and I wish I had been able to see it then, is that underlying the fear and need for control and perfectionism and wanting that perfect birth were actually signals of some things that I really deeply valued. That if I had been able to connect in and align with those values, I probably would have been able to make some really empowering decisions in my first birth that would have made it such a different experience. It may have still resulted in the same, which ended up being a belly birth, a cesarean, but it would have been a very different experience if I had been guided by connecting 
in with my values instead of having my decisions being driven by emotions such as fear and perfectionism. And so I think that underlying some of those desires for control and some of the fears that were being, you know, masked by perfection were values such as safety and security, also connection and peacefulness. I really wanted to be able to have a vaginal birth so that I could hold my daughter right after she was born, to breastfeed her right away, to be able to have agency in deciding when the umbilical cord was going to be cut, to, I just had this vision of after the birth, being there with my partner, like the image that I had was, was very peaceful and was not going to be in an operating room. And I know that in those desires and in that vision, our values of safety, security, connection, and agency as well. But sometimes our emotions can hook us. We can feel something such as fear and that fear can jump in the driver's seat. And for me, when fear jumped in the driver's seat, it led to decisions that were pretty rigid and um, perfectionism, trying to do everything perfect. And I, I know now, I know that underlying all of that was just my desire to be a good mom. I just wish that I had recognized that my values that were being reflected in all of that were values that were going to align with the kind of mom that I do want to be. And that doesn't necessarily mean that my birth had to look in this one rigid, controlled vision and way, but that I could make decisions based on the different choice points that showed up for us rooted in my values that could have led to a much different experience, one that felt more connected, more secure, and where I had felt like I had more agency. So bringing this all back to that first birth, um, I went into labor on Labor Day, labored at home for about 12 hours. We were in contact with our doula. We went to the hospital and I labored for another 12 hours there and I was exhausted and in a lot of pain and I was pretty disconnected from my body, which meant, and what I, what I mean by that was I really wasn't listening to my body because the pain that I was feeling was scaring me because the pain felt out of control. It felt like I didn't have control in that pain. And I was afraid that the pain was going to lead me to make a decision that went against my rigid birth plan idea and this vision that I had for what a good, perfect birth was supposed to look like. And what I actually think that that contributed to was more pain. I wasn't able to really ride those surges. If if anything, I feel like I was fighting them. Um, And so eventually I was so exhausted that I did ask for pain medication, felt tremendous amounts of guilt and shame around that decision. Um, and eventually began the point of pushing and we pushed, or I pushed for about an hour and a half. And that last 30 minutes was 
really hard because I was so physically exhausted and I couldn't really even push. And our doctor came in and said, you know, we have a couple different options here because um, the baby's heartbeat um, was dropping. They said we could do forceps, vacuum, or a cesarean. And I remember, I remember feeling like in, there was this little voice inside of me that was like, a cesarean, like this baby, like this baby is going to come out. This baby needs to come out through your belly. And like, that's okay. Like, that's what you need. You're so tired. That's what you need. Thank goodness that you live in a day and age where this is possible because I don't know how else this baby would be coming out. There, there was that little voice. I like, I've done a lot of work around that birth, um, through actually my own therapy and EMDR and, uh, which is a, um, trauma-based approach to, um, that can be really supportive in treating traumatic births. And I like remember in my processing that like, there was that little voice there, that little intuition, but I, I, I remember looking over at my doula and just like saying, no, um, I'm going to, I want to keep pushing, kept pushing it, there was no progress. Um, and it eventually got to the point where I was so exhausted. I was crying. I could not push anymore. I couldn't even keep my eyes open. Um, that, you know, they, our, our doctor recommended a cesarean. And I remember looking at my doula's eyes and the shame that I felt like I saw in her eyes. And at the time, it felt like shame about me, that there was something wrong with me. That followed me into that operating room. And so our doula ended up leaving um, when I made that decision to have a cesarean belly birth. And which, you know, makes sense. She had never supported somebody through that experience. And that was really hard. It was really hard to see the look on her face. I made my own interpretations of it. And then to have her leave in the operating room because I had never allowed myself to even imagine what that experience would look like. I remember being shocked by how cold it was. Um, everybody sort of moving around and, you know, doing their jobs. And it felt at the time, like very, I felt very disconnected from who the, who was in the room and really honestly disconnected from the entire experience. I mean, I couldn't feel most of my body and it was cold and there was a big sheet up. So I couldn't even see what they were doing. And I remember shaking and I remember um, also having a difficult time keeping my eyes open. And I know my partner was there, um, which is one of the like warmer parts of the memory, just knowing his presence was there. My daughter was born and I remember my partner saying to me, Cassidy, she's here. She's here. Look at her. And I couldn't even open my eyes. I was so exhausted, but I also had a lot of shame around everything that had just happened. I couldn't even look at her. And 
that part of the memory is was probably one of the more traumatizing parts of the birth experience along with um, seeing my doula's face at the, at the moment where I made that decision. Those were two big parts of that birth that I really had to process in my own work around that birth experience. As a mom to three, my partner and I find that one of the biggest struggles we have faced in our relationship is navigating sharing responsibilities and the mental load. And I know that we're not alone because this shows up with all of my clients and in every podcast episode, the mental load of parenting shows up in some way or another. Enter the scene, coexist. Coexist is the app that's revolutionizing how couples manage the mental load of household tasks and childcare. It's like having a personal assistant right in your pocket, helping you and your partner effortlessly share tasks, plan meals, collaborate on lists, and even give each other kudos along the way. Here's the cherry on top for my amazing community. Coexist is offering an exclusive deal. Sign up for a two-week free trial before June 15th, and you'll get 15% off the annual plan on iOS with the code DrCassidy15. So what are you waiting for? Really, take that first step towards a more harmonious home life today. Download Coexist on Android or iOS at getcoexist.com. The load in our home has been feeling a little bit lighter since downloading Coexist, and yours can feel lighter too when you download the Coexist app at getcoexist.com. Since becoming a parent and as I've gotten older, I've become a lot more mindful of the supplements and products that I use, and that's why I love Peary. These are natural food supplements that I trust completely. Let's talk a bit about collagen. So collagen is so important for our bodies, but our natural production of it slows as we get older. So I've learned. And quality supplements support our muscle, bone, and joint health. Recently, I've been taking Puri's CP1 Pure Collagen Peptides. It was number one out of 28 collagens tested by the Organic Consumers Association and Clean Label Project. There are enough hard decisions that we make every day as parents, and this makes Puri an easy choice. See and feel the difference with Puri. I know you'll love their supplements as much as I do. Puri is offering my listeners an amazing deal, 20% off site-wide. Just go to my special URL, puri.com backslash Dr. Cassidy, and use my promo code Dr. Cassidy. So go to P-U-O-R-I.com slash Dr. Cassidy. Don't miss out. Use promo code Dr. Cassidy at puri.com backslash Dr. Cassidy. And so my partner was able to do some skin to skin with her and then they sewed me back up. And once I was in the recovery room, they brought my daughter to me and I'm not sure how long it was between the moment she was born and when I first got to hold her, but it was definitely longer than I had initially wanted it to be. Uh, and I was, I remember shaking um, and just feeling incredibly exhausted by um, the, the physical intensity of the whole experience. I also wasn't prepared for the intensity of that healing experience either. 
Um, it was really difficult after a belly birth. It's hard to walk. Um, you can't carry, you know, a certain amount of weight. Um, it's hard to sit up um, from sort of a laying down position. And there's a lot when you have a newborn that requires carrying, um, sitting up, um, walking. And so I was really reliant on my support system during that healing process. My body slowly began to heal. My cesarean scar, the scar on my belly, was really painful, um, actually painful up until my second birth. And that's because it keloided, so it was really red and raised and just a really gnarly, angry looking scar. The mind-body connection has always amazed me, but I really do feel like the scar from that birth reflected a lot of the feelings that I had around that birth experience. And so in that postpartum experience, um, there were lots of feelings of guilt and shame that would pop up when I would reflect on my birth. Um, I didn't want to tell people that I had a belly birth, but my scar that had healed in a way that was still quite painful was this constant reminder. So I did some work around processing that birth experience and I got pregnant again. That pregnancy resulted in a pregnancy loss which, as you can imagine, then led to some more anxiety about pregnancy itself once I became pregnant again with my son. I knew, though, that when I got pregnant, that I wanted a different experience. By that point, I had done a lot of work that had really allowed me to identify the values that were reflected in some of my decisions in that first birth experience, but also compassion and understanding for the ways in which fear and perfectionism had gotten in the way um, for me to really utilize my values as my compass in that birth experience. So it was really important for me in that second birth to pay really close attention to who the support team, the birth support team around me that I was going to be enlisting and having be a part of this birth experience. And so we ended up um, going to an OBGYN who did support um, VBACs, vaginal births after cesareans, but also had a really gentle and family-focused approach to belly births because I, at that point, had done a lot of work around my values around this and I knew that if the, if the point in time came to make the decision of having a belly birth, that I was going to feel empowered by in listening to my body, my intuition of saying, yes, this is the right decision instead of fighting that little intuition and that voice. What we ended up doing in preparation for that birth is my partner and I had some pretty big conversations around what our values were around birth and how those values might be reflected in some of the things that we really wanted to advocate for for our birth experience. And in doing that, 
we did have some hopes for our birth and we shared those things with our provider, but there was also so much flexibility and compassion for the fact that there are going to be potentially things that don't go as quote unquote planned and that we could still have an experience that aligned with our values because we had talked about what they would be ahead of time. And my partner and others that we had identified who would be present during our birth experience could support me in those decisions and be an advocate for those values, which just had so much more flexibility in terms of the options laid out in front of us. And so the birth of my son, um, started when my water broke while we were giving my daughter a bath and it was really nice because contractions did not start right away which allowed us to finish up her bath call our um, support person that was going to come and help us with her when I went into labor and um, they were able to come over and we were able to explained to her that this was happening and um, that she would most likely have a baby brother um, the next day. And so we put her to bed, our support person came and um, labored a little bit at home and then went to the hospital. And I labored at the hospital for a while. I did decide to um, get an epidural pretty quickly. I really wanted to get rest, um, especially since I went to labor right before nighttime. I really wanted to get as much rest as I possibly could. And so because I knew that rest was going to allow me to have a more connected um, postpartum experience um, right after birth, at that choice point of saying epidural or no epidural right now, I went with my intuition and with my value of connection and decided that that was where I wanted to go. And that was, I felt really empowered and good about that decision. And so got the epidural, rested, and it got to a point um, after laboring for um, a few hours, maybe like six hours, that I wasn't progressing. Um, and so at that point in time, our OBGYN asked us what we wanted to do. And my partner and I um, talked a little bit about it and we decided to have another belly birth. This experience, that belly birth was such a different experience from the first. I felt empowered in the decision. I was present during the birth itself. We asked our OBGYN to lower the sheet when he was bringing my son out, so when my son was born, so that I could see him enter this world. Following his birth, we did what they typically call pseudo skin to skin, but I'm just calling it skin to skin because we were skin to skin. My husband brought my son to me and we touched cheek to cheek and I got to meet him for the very first time. And I felt like I was aware of what was happening. I was um, prepared for how cold it would be in the operating room and how busy everyone was going to look. And I knew that 
all of those elements of that experience were actually for the safety and security of me and my baby. And what's so incredible is that our OBGYN had to literally cut off my first scar um, to create the next um, to to create the next um, scar for um, bringing out uh, my son um, because the scar was so keloided and so big and raised, um, he literally had to cut it off. And so I had this new healing process and this new scar that developed. And this is where that like mind-body connection just can no longer be denied for me because same body, same person, same predisposition for getting keloid scars. And that scar from that belly birth is so different. You can barely even see it. It's still a scar, but it is also now this like very tender representation of how my children entered this world. Um, they've both seen my scar. We've, I've shared their birth stories with them. They both know that that's where they entered this world. And it is such a visual and physical representation for me of how much that second cesarean really supported the healing of my first cesarean. And so I, I think that if I hadn't done some of this work, I potentially could have seen that second belly birth as a failure, um, that I failed to have a VBAC. But really the meaning that I've made out of my experience is that having that second belly birth really supported me in healing some really key parts of the experience that were traumatic for me from the first. So what I like to do now is to share with you some of my takeaways from both of those experiences in hopes that these takeaways and things that I learned in my births, that they could be supportive to you as you prepare for your own. So one of the first things that I think is really helpful and important to do is to sit down with your partner or whoever is supporting you in your birth and share with them what your values are around what you would like your birth experience to align with and connect with. And it's also very important that your partner or birth support person also get a chance to share their values with you so, since they are absolutely a part of that journey and that process and experience. And so you may be wondering, okay, values, awesome. Cassidy, you talk about values all the time. If you've listened to my podcast episodes, I talk about values a lot. Um, and you may be wondering, how do I under define my values? I actually have a podcast episode all about defining your values. And I would love it if you gave that one a listen, maybe even inviting your partner or your birth support person to listen to that episode. I give examples of values in that episode. I support you in exploring your values based on um, experiences you've had that were painful, um, also um, really joyful memories and how we can use these experiences to hone in on our values. Um, but like I shared earlier, some of my values that I really identified, and there were others, but some of the core ones were um, having were agency, connection, and safety and security. 
And then we use these values as the compass, the supportive guides during those choice points. And so I still think that there's a lot of value in educating yourself about birth, knowing what your options are, having a sense of what you would like that experience to look like, and sharing that with your support team, your birth support team, so that they know or so that they can advocate for you or support you advocating for yourself and your baby. But sometimes things are going to happen and it might not look like the exact vision that you had in your mind. And this is where inviting in flexibility is so critical and can be such a supportive value to some of the other values. I know that for me, flexibility absolutely supported safety, security, connection, and agency in that second birth experience uh, with my son. And I've mentioned now the importance of the support team, the birth support team. And so this is also, I think, a key place to spend some time around, identifying who is going to be on your support team. Who do you want to be the providers that are a part of your birth experience? Who are you going to want in the room during your birth experience? And exploring ways in which you can communicate that and set boundaries as needed. In fact, I think that preparing for birth and preparing your support system for your boundaries around birth and communicating your needs is a beautiful way to begin the process of preparing your support system for postpartum. And we know because the research indicates that having an activated support system and also boundaries within that support system as needed are huge protective factors when it comes to postpartum depression and anxiety. All right, so we're coming to the end here, and I just wanted to quickly say thank you for being a witness in listening to this episode about my birth stories. Um, being able to now share these stories in this way as a way to hopefully support even just one person who is preparing for birth. So much of how I've made meaning from this experience has been in sharing it once some of those wounds turned to scars and I felt ready to share, um, which I am now. And Another way in which I've made a lot of meaning from this experience is in sharing my birth story with my daughter as she's gotten older. Um, it's been actually really important for me to get to a place where I can talk to her about it. And my hope and my passion is that I leave the world of peripartum, pregnancy, birth, and postpartum better than I found it um, by the time both of my children um, enter that stage of their lives if they choose to become parents one day. I'm grateful that you took the time to listen to this episode. And if you know someone who's pregnant or preparing for birth, I'd be so happy if you shared this episode with them, if you found it helpful. 
I am currently finishing up working on a digital course to prepare couples for postpartum. This is with my good friend and colleague, Dr. Christine Sterling, who's an OBGYN. And in this course, our aim is to support couples in preparing for and then having a restful, connected, and healthy postpartum experience for the whole family. So we cover everything in this course from healing after having a baby, emotional wellness and processing your birth and ways that you can prevent postpartum depression and anxiety, preparing your partnership and any other children you may have and your family systems and your friendships for postpartum. We also talk about sleep and feeding your baby and taking care of and bonding with baby, the identity transition into becoming a parent. We cut through anything that you don't need to know, and we get straight to exactly what you need to know and the work that can be happening during pregnancy to prepare you and your partner for postpartum. I'm so excited to get this course out there in the world to support couples that are preparing for postpartum. So if you are interested, be sure to click the link in the show notes where you can join the waitlist for this course. And if you've made it here all the way to the end of this episode, my guess is that you are preparing for birth yourself and I have a resource for you. If you go to the link in the show notes, you will find a link to download two meditations, a meditation for vaginal birth and a meditation for a belly birth. That way you're prepared for both in a way that I really wish that I had been. Thank you so much for listening to the episode. I'm so grateful that you chose to spend part of your day with me and I hope you have a beautiful rest of your day. You've been listening to Holding Space Podcast. I hope you enjoyed the information that was shared in this episode. If you did, you might want to subscribe and be the first to hear about future episodes as soon as they air. Thank you so much for sharing this space with me. Have a great day. mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Thank you.